man read book. Good, okay. Man letter N. Okay. I heard you say three words. Very good. Okay. What is the man doing? Man run. Right, man run. What is the man doing? Man throw. Right, man throw ball. What is the man doing? Man throw. Mm -hmm. Man push what? That. Right. Can you say three words? Man push box. Say, man push box. Right. Very good. You said three words. I heard that. Terrific. Welcome back to Wiseman Podcast. This is your host, Sean Glennis. I'm here with my co-host, Arlen Golden. How are you doing, Arlen? Hey, Sean. Doing all right. For for the viewers, Sean just gave the most pained expression doing that intro. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of went on robot mode for a minute. Um, <laughs> it's been a rough uh, week. but um, Yeah, congrats on the move. Thank you. But uh, Wiseman Podcast must resume. <laughs> never ceases no um so we get to talk about a 1986 film from frederick wiseman called multi-handicap um of course we're here to talk about the fourth and final film in the deaf and blind series or amazing hours eight and nine of, mm. of the nine hour film um how are you how are you feeling after we've finished this series I mean, it's cool. It's cool, um, you know, to to watch these as we have done. Um, you know, it, it sounds like just talking to other Weissman heads and, you know, my own experience, certainly people kind of pick off one or two, you know, and not necessarily in sequential order, which I think up until, you know, extremely recently was kind of up in the air. Um, even looking back at some of the writings, uh, contemporaneously, it seems like there was some confusion about, uh, the order, at least of the final two. So I hope yeah. we, we've at least put that to bed. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we did it, <laughs> you know, that mm -hmm. we were just saying this, this was like a third of our year, this series. Um, it's, it's quite the headspace to have existed in and, and considered and, um, you know, certainly more so than, you know, I guess we had model and the store early on in, in 2022, uh, that sort of were already pairing. Um, but, but to really sort of consider these issues, which like we've, we've talked about and Weissman's talked about, like people just don't think about, you know, they're just like not a part of, um, most Americans daily experience for, you know, some of the reasons the films, uh, allude to, um, it's just kind of, kind of been a, a really, a real treasure to, to, to do all that. 
Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it, it's it's funny. We, we've we spent like uh, most of the year in the 80s and technically mm-hmm. we're still in 86. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But, but only a couple more um, left. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I, I mean, I think as a, as a series, I think that this is one of the like best uh series that i can think of at least in american cinema like in 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 terms of you know like these sort of like uh packaged deals you know something like decalogue or whatever or the godfather Mm -hmm. series like um i i think that this is like pretty pretty incredible and i think that like you were kind of alluding to with um the order being a a real issue a real uh, like barrier to entry. Like I, I think I mentioned this before, but like I started watching multi handicap once when I was like, mm. uh, trying to do like some 86 films. And I, I thankfully like stopped like 15 minutes into it and, and didn't return to it. Um, and because I didn't know that like there was an order and I think that the order is pretty important. Um, and I think, and, and you had mentioned earlier that Alyssa Hefflin, previous guest had Mm -hmm. done some, some work on to, to get the order right on, uh, letterbox, which is great. Um, because I think people would be more willing to approach the series if they knew that there was an order, like if they, if they knew what the project was, but as, as it sat before it, and in terms of like, I guess the, uh, cinephile like the younger cinephiles who are getting into wiseman like might mm-hmm. not have no like it might have seemed like sort of this like amorphous blob like you're you're like oh yeah i know that these are all connected but like in in a certain way but like didn't really know how to make sense of them maybe at least that's mm-hmm. how i felt and um so hopefully we have helped with that on, on top of Alyssa's efforts um yeah. but yeah Certainly, I think, you know, you mentioned it like the greatest cinematic tetralogy, you know, I, I, it's it's four is a weird number. You're going to say it's better than than Aliens. Wow. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, but that I mean, that's like six films now anyway, but like, oh, yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> the. um. I think it's interesting to think about it as like a cinematic series too, in the ways of like the ways it's commonly thought of, which is sequential and like consecutive. Right. And like, like even though the pro filmic event is all these films are happening concurrently with one another, you know, mm-hmm. like uh Weissman was filming at the Institute in different buildings, you know, throughout this month or so, I think, um the fact that it is a film series and that there is an order to it like really your viewers engagement and and you know tempts us to like make it uh, a sequential narrative you know that that Mm -hmm. blind starts and multi-handicap ends right and like that so so like you said the order matters like it matters if you're doing multi-handicap last or if you you thought maybe that adjustment in work was last like those that'll change your engagement with the films but i think like 
you know, maybe I'll ask you like, like, do you think it's productive to think about it in that way? Or is that something that it's uh, more useful to resist as, as like kind of naturally compelling it is as, as film viewers to do? The order? To, to think about it as like, yeah, like a, a series, you know, in order or like uh, less that. I think, um, you know, we have Steve Mambron for um, the guest this section um, for his third uh, time around the track. And um, he talks a lot in that section about the merits of multi-handicap on its own. Um and just in general, uh, thankful for, for his thoughts because he helped deepen my appreciation of this film specifically, because mm -hmm. I think you had maybe mentioned on Letterboxd or something, but that, that this is like a pretty challenging film for, for viewers. It can be. Um, and it, I mean, I mean or it requires like patience, more patience than, than maybe, uh, the rest of the series. And I, so I, I definitely think that there's something to to what Mamber says about that, but um, but I was really glad that aside from you having seen adjustment adjustment and work previously, that we saw these like fresh and talked yeah. about them um, without knowing the context because we were able to experience them and and talk about that that experience in a way that really highlights Wiseman's sequencing, and rather than be like oh, well, yeah, Jason walking is great, but we all know it's like a fake out for like yeah, yeah. what's to come it is to like really experience the purity of, of, of that, mm -hmm. that image and also that sequence um, and, and let that really like build over us. I think it is a really nice thing. Um, I had seen somebody comment something about like how they shouldn't be watch or they, they benefit from, from not watching like immediately after and who's to say, I mean, every viewer is going to have a different experience, but, um, I think the way that we did it is, is great. And I think, um, I, I found the, the order really, really important to my, uh, appreciation of the film, like just seeing that Jason sequence 20 minutes in and, and, and the feeling that that gives you is, is terrific. But then also like moving on to death and seeing like these Pantheon scenes, like it just builds so perfectly. Um, mm. and then, uh, uh, adjustment work again, like I, I, the further we get away from that, the, the more I, I'm just like still kind of like awestruck by, by mm. the last quarter of that, that film. Um, and yeah, I mean like multi-handicapped is one that like I, I did find to test my patience and maybe that's because I wasn't in the mood for it. And I was just kind of like, well, got to do this, you know, got to sit down yeah. and watch this. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and like listening to Mamber, I'm like, okay, I like at a future date, I really do want to sit down and, and like mm. um, think about the things that he's saying about it and try to experience it um, again. Um, but yeah, that it, it played to me like a coda um, for the series. Mm -hmm. And um, especially like the way that the last quarter of this film uh, plays out it really did feel like um in Wiseman in like discrete films especially the later ones he likes to do codas like codas are important to him within films um these sort of like low uh simmering fade outs um uh abstractly speaking um are important to him and I and I think that um 
multi-handicap can play like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's hard not to, you know, especially thinking back on Weissman's history of like closing sermons, you know, like this kind of really does extend back all the way to blind and, and really does feel like, you know, you're tying a bow on it much more so than I think adjustment and work would have, you know, like that would just be despairing (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he could leave you so in the lurch, but I mean, yeah, like, you know, some, something you, you encounter reading people about this series is kind of like, all right, like another, like cane training scene, you know, another, like money, money learning yeah. scene, you know, sort of thing. And, and I could see that if you were kind of slamming them all kind of back to back, you know, I, I could see how that could wear on you and you, you mm-hmm. could lose some of some of the richness of the details and, and the repetitiveness or similar similarities between scenes in different films. But, but yeah, like, like you said, like just stretching them out, considering them all independently of one another and then kind of in relation to each other. Um, you know, it, 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 it's a, they warrant that, you know, they, they, they deserve that, you know, it, it's, um, I mean, think about how much time yeah. he put into them and how much time it's that crazy. Wiseman, yeah. yeah, Wiseman has thought about them. And it is like, uh, if you are like a Wiseman fan and you are interested in what he's like laying down, uh, you, you do kind of owe it to yourself to, um, think about why he spent so much time on, on these films. And to like, think about when you find yourself feeling that that like repetitive sort of impulse like think about why that is like there's always a reason for it you know Mm -hmm. there's like like he's always doing stuff and and like i find that so fruitful when i start to run up against that you know it's a momentary impulse and then it's like all right but this is weissman you know there's there's a reason for it he's like been obsessing over this footage for the better part of a year it's here for some kind of meeting uh and and to just try and suss that out even if you're not able to get to it like that's mm-hmm. just like uh productive you know film yeah. viewing yeah and, and not only did he spend a lot of time on this uh aidb to make it for films but he also like i i don't i don't know exactly like i can't speak to what kind of reputational risk he was he was taking or whatever, yeah. but like, I, uh, but he, he also uses McCarthy grant for it. Like that's yeah. a, that's a big deal. Um, and worth considering for sure. Yeah. But I guess, I guess we could get into it um, yeah. a little bit, you know, I think, uh, <clears throat> speaking of repetitiveness, you know, we have a similar kind of opening that we've had for all of these films, which well, I, I or go, go ahead. We, we have the, we have the one review that we should get to uh variety yeah uh, kim yeah sure yeah, kim. i mean <laughs> attributed only to kim um, who you know kind of like we're talking about they want context you know uh they feel that the scenes uh like you said are demanding you know they require a patience uh, mm-hmm. i think they said that that's equal to that of the teachers in the film which i think is kind of the point right I know. Like, you it's know, like they like... stumble they stumble on the point of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's so funny like it takes as much patience to watch the film as it does to teach the students oh you think <laughs> <laughs> like like what what a successful documentary you know to <laughs> to have done that and and then they just kind of end on this 
point, and I think we've we poked fun of variety before, but like commercial prospects for the film seem nil. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> probably like fair. <laughs> on on the boots or yeah. on the ground, like reporting. Um uh yeah, although the last uh, the adjustment work variety article was better than than we expected, but um, but yeah. the, they end saying that the only audience for this is people involved in the field. Um, so mm. basically, like rejecting Grant's thesis of transcending the ego, right? Just being like, well, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or and it's not for you either. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to see it only, which I mean, you know, is not super uncommon when people who don't watch a ton of docs engage in docs is like, okay, this is to communicate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To, to just like, uh, enhance people who are already passionate about an issue to enhance their understanding, you know, or, or broaden it or, or to be a tool, say for like professional development within, uh, educational settings like these. But, um, yeah, there's certainly more going on. Yeah. So you were you were gonna get into the opening? Sure, sure. Um, well, yeah. So so opens similarly to the other films in the series with this sort of tableau of Talladega. You know, looking at commercial sectors, looking at uh, like kind of off uh, highway off ramp drags. You know, of gas stations and fast food joints. Um, and I think kind of something I meant meant to talk about when we we're just talking about like viewing this as a sequence like is there's is there a way to view this like series of films as concurrent you know to like to kind of think about them uh Mm -hmm. like like this intro happening not after all the other films but at the same time as the intros in the previous films you're saying that like like uh the flaming lips zuarika uh album where you play 12 <laughs> discs at the same time you should have four dvds of sure. the series I'm, playing I'm, <laughs> that, that would be i would go to that if any <laughs> if, if anybody if any uh programmers out there want to like rent four 16 millimeter projectors and just like <laughs> share share four quarters of the screen i, I would go to that <laughs> that is interesting yeah it's, i mean it's it reminds me of um of all things the uh the play of moonlight the the film that uh, mm. or or the play that that uh barry jenkins adapted for for the film um that the play was like the three stories are happening the uh, three interesting, yeah. uh stories of the the child um, are happening concurrently. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. I haven't thought about that, uh, with regard to this, that, um, that these are, that this is kind of like spending like a day around the campus. Yeah. 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 Um, but one, one shot that was really like just such a great example of Weissman's approach, um, is there's a woman getting out of her car while holding her baby walking into a shop and then like closing the door to her car you know and it's just like so succinctly communicates a wide range of like activities and abilities Mm. that are like just not going to be present within the, the people we're about to meet right like like just like 
I don't know, the shot lasts like 10 seconds maybe. And mm. I, and I felt like pausing and just being like, fuck, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I, so I, I wanted to call that out, uh, in this intro. And that be- feels yeah. like that, that, <clears throat> that is indicative of, of what, um, we talk with member a lot about like sort of the core of that is like that, that well, this feels like Wiseman really thinking about issues that we don't think about, like thinking about lives that in ways that we don't think about them, um, like sort of like lives behind doors or whatever, you know, yeah. not, not not as public lives. And and it's not him trying to like convey some sort of like reason for you to care about them as much as it is just presentation mm-hmm. and his his own like consideration of these lives. And and I guess too like think along those lines like we talked a lot about like the segregation of the population from Mm -hmm. broader society broader talladega like we can think of this woman holding her newborn getting out of her car maybe a block away is uh that guy in adjustment at work walking around the town square you know Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. like like who's to say they could have just kind of hopped over um um and caught this other you know what might have seemed like b-roll at the time but like the richness of of engaging with like this is uh, you know I'm, I'm just going off the fly it's not anything i was thinking about before we started talking but like a concurrent series or like a mm-hmm. sim- simultaneous grouping of films you know i think is is an interesting way to to go about this and and to draw connections and and contrast because i think that's something weissman is clearly doing and interested in um so like how how are those born out like cinematically yeah it's it's also um Interesting because we think a lot about uh, the trajectory of lives within Wiseman's films, like like yeah. you know, like soldiers in Vietnam, like mm, in basic sure. training, and, and after um, as we go on and see people who you know had served in war, like that kind of like um, trajectory, uh, and this being like something different, like him really having the space to work, uh, having a canvas um, to really explore this contemporaneous. Um, society is interesting yeah well i think you know Stephen will talk about a bit like this film and all these films um are not just about teaching you know the handicapped or the multiply handicapped they're they're about teaching you know among other things and they're about communication and like i was kind of talking about the end uh of blind you know it's about all of us um and and I think that's really Weissman's interest and why he spends so much time in this setting is like um, w- everything that is experienced within these walls by the students, by the teachers, can be <clears throat> extrapolated out uh, to all of us in various situations. You know, like like in this film, I don't know. There there are just so many instances, but like the ways in which like. Um, you think about i remember weissman saying he thinks about that towel folding scene anytime Mm. he folds anything (laughs) right you know did he say that to us i don't think he said that to us but he he said that in another interview yeah Yeah. like like he never folds anything without thinking about cheryl you know which is like (laughs) probably something i'm gonna probably carry with me too because i mean it's true right all right let's see it's quite a chill let's see let's try Let's try, 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 let's try
I fell in the washcloth. Okay. Come on. Learn and know. No, that mistake. No. Try it again. <laughs> no, try it again. Okay, that was good. I'll take that. It's very good. Come on, try it again. You do it yourself this time. See what you can do with it. What you gonna do with it? Okay, that's very good. It's better than you've done all week. Something as simple as that, the way it can just kind of make you reflect on all kinds of things. You know, obviously it's yeah. like, oh, at least I'm not, you know, I can fold the towel without having to think about it. You know, I count my blessings sort of thing. That's kind of the obvious thing. But but the ways in which, like, seemingly simple tasks or seemingly simple routines, like, are just not always that way for everybody, you know? Like, I mean, I, I don't think I'll ever hear see you later, alligator. For sure. Quite the same. <laughs> yeah, quite yeah, the same. Totally. Like, yeah. As often <laughs> as I'm hearing see you later, alligator. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, not to like kind of jump ahead to like a grand conclusion, but I think, you know, it's like the films are about like just being and, ex and existing and, and interrelating to one another within like, you know, this is Weissman's project, I guess, but within the ex specific society we have built for ourselves here in America, you know, like, and, mm -hmm. and the ways that is difficult and, and largely deficient, you know, on a, on a, in a broad spectrum of uh, metrics. I can't remember if it was you or Member that said it in the <clears throat> second half about how this is Weissman in uh, ethnographic mode, but that's yeah, that's really what this... Uh, series feels like to me like um is him really tapping in, into that probably as deep as he ever goes into it in his career um into that specific mode and, and multi-handicap might be the epitome of that within the series um uh yeah so so i think that this is like a series of films that like if you're if you're like a a, a budding wiseman head or if you're like you know uh, from the outside looking in being like, I want to get into Wiseman. Like after you watch a couple, like dive into this series and, mm -hmm. and like, you'll, you'll really be able to like tap into something or like see, see a side of him that is really special. Um, mm -hmm. and, and often like quite moving. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Christopher Ricks and grand street, mm -hmm. uh, was like the only other thing we found on this, but I thought he really succinctly, um, just kind of stated what you said a little bit, but it's like a typical Weissman, but it's also something different. And in, in the, these films are at once compassionate and dispassionate, which is like, yeah. you, know, you know, I think dispassion is something Weissman's often accused of being, right? He's, he's like a, a robot or a technician, you know, and yeah. just kind of seeing things and, and stitching them together and, and letting you make of it what you will. Um, which, you know, I mean, we're pretty deep into this show. If you, if you're listening, you know, that's not the case, but like, um, the compassion here, I mean, I think it's something that's always present. I think like Weissman's a humanist. He doesn't, he just doesn't like, you know, that's not his 
his front foot um but like yeah. the the combination of like those two those two modes like the 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 reservation with with which he's able to engage the material uh as as objective as he's able to do um but the the communication of like just like the immense like human uh elements and like levels degrees of like philosophical and humanitarian like issues that just arise it's just like unprecedented yeah it's funny i keep coming back to this uh, like especially since we've talked with with steven but just thinking about this this film over the last few days um about like it it and this series as a whole like as this beautiful like balancing between like conflicting things so like this dispassionate mode and like this compassion um and also like i mentioned with steve um this like true like verite uh documentary not style but like mode um like the essence of verite filmmaking with studio uh studio film like style um but he's also still distancing himself from hollywood filmmaking while also like using some of that that the the that style i don't know there's this weird like balance that he's able like it's it's a bit of a magic trick that he's able to like weld (laughs) together these things but it's because he kind of approaches them um from like the 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 true like building blocks of it he's not trying to ape the style of 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 like Mm. verite filmmaking um and he's not trying to like find out like what where is like the dynamite going off in aidb um you know but I don't know. It's 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 hard to talk about because it is kind of a magic trick. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's able to draw out this, like so many things from something as simple as like somebody cutting up two hot dogs, like in a cafeteria. You know, there's this mm-hmm. in the cafeteria scene, like one teacher is just like cutting up hot dogs for different students at the table on their plates. And I don't know, I just found that, like, small gesture, like, so, so moving and rich. Um, I I really appreciate how much he cares about food in general, like how attuned he is to uh, the way that, that we uh, approach food. Yeah. Especially in America. Yeah. Well, I think that that was a moment that connected for me to the, uh, the idea of the transcendental style that, that Mamber goes pretty well into so we don't need to touch on too much but like like through like a cinematic treatment of the quotidian you know think those things are like elevated to to levels of like philosophy Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like just kind of yeah for sure um yeah and then that moves into like absurdism when you get to something like the garden right like he's he's interested in this in the same ideas but then it like it's clashing with like hyper capitalism and and pageantry and yeah i mean the way i mean not to get into the garden but like the the way like he holds on like uh the trailing ash of this one worker's cigarette 
as he's like paying the ice before a Rangers game, like, you know, it, it creates some cinematic suspense. You're like, when is this going to go? It, it communicates like the longevity of, uh, the labor and, and probably this guy's like, um, uh, longevity of his career, you know, working at the garden, you know, it, it, it's like works metaphorically as like the way in which the capitalist enterprise you were just talking about is like burning down uh uh like society the people in the stadium you know the workers certainly obviously the, the famous thing about that film why nobody most people has haven't seen it is because uh the what's the owner's name the next guy Dolan, James uh, Dolan, Dolan. Yeah, yeah. Dolan objected to to a scene of where he's discussing like labor contract negotiations. Um, so like you know, very rich. I don't know. Good yeah, cigarette well, ash. Yeah. Well, I mean, like that. That's interesting. Um, I'll place it here because I don't want to forget about it. But uh, well, one thing, not that. But I, I just haven't been able to get the image of of the mac and cheese uh from my brain ever since <laughs> watching the garden. But anyway, um, the the uh when i was uh researching uh public housing because i i recently wrote oh, yeah. an, art, an article about the 25th anniversary you can find it on hyperallergic um, everyone but, read that for sure um i came across a, across a quote that i'm sure we'll talk about when we get to public housing but um where he talks about the cab the woman with the cabbage and yeah. his 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 uh quote was about how he thought that the way that she approached the cabbage reflected a way that she lived her life mm-hmm. and which you know this cigarette ash like it it can give you an idea of what he's thinking about when he really like uh keys in like focuses in on small details like that like what he might mm-hmm. be thinking about in terms of how that reflects that person's uh life or the way that they approach whatever they're they're doing yeah um, which i mean like you know not to get too far away but i'm having fun is like the when when we i don't know like i've I've talked a little on a recent episode i think about just like my overall proclivity towards stocks and like you know uh actors performances you know not always ringing true to me because i've seen so many docs and it's like you're acting um but like like the that level of detail you know the way in which like somebody holds like a cigarette Mm -hmm. on their lip or the way that they split a cabbage you know or the way they cut a hot dog like that richness is just you know or folding uh, yeah totally yeah like like those details do communicate so much about the character of the individual and it's just so hard to cap unless it's like you know just like the best actors out there like to to embody all of that richness into a scripted performance like um it's it's hard to compare for me yeah the the cheryl scene seems to be kind of a keystone for this um for me like um the the talisane like because like you can tell a lot about her from that scene like you can tell like that she is try like you can tell that she's trying to do well mm-hmm. you know like she, somebody could have like another student or or um resident um could have like not cared or put up a fight or just like yeah. um but but she does care about doing that and that does convey something about her um i'm not sure if it would be worthwhile to try and communicate it, but like it communicates like verbally, but like it communicates something to you emotionally about the type of person that she is. Yeah. 
Totally. And, and I mean, I found myself thinking about, um, the diving bell and the butterfly a good deal watching this film and that scene Mm. in particular, because, you know, all we can do is sort of project onto the interior lives of, of Mm -hmm. Cheryl and, and the rest of the students is like, we, you know, I, I could imagine there being a lot of, um, you know, robust like consciousness that she's just not able to express like in, you know, verbally or physically and, 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 you know, frustration at, you know, how difficult it can be to fold a washcloth, you know, but like, like you, our, our ability to read that is like, you know, in Weissman's hands, but like also up to us and uh, to read into it. Uh, but we just don't know, but like you, you, you can imagine there being, yeah, like a lot of, a lot of frustration. Uh, at mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. Um, and like, that makes me think um, like time that I've spent with um, similar uh, children who have like multiple handicaps um when I was doing social work, like when you get to know somebody like mm-hmm. over like weeks and weeks um, of working with them as the re- return and you're doing stuff like that, like, again, like, it, like it's the same stuff that we're talking about um, where like that I'm sure like Wiseman was able to experience that you're just getting like peaks at personality, like mm-hmm. over time and they keep accumulating and that he's able to like key in on that in, in little details here is like, it's uh it it's it's important filmmaking yeah even though it doesn't announce itself as as you know this uh this totemic thing about the handicap yeah and it's also bringing for me to just talking about their experiences and and weissman's filmmaking is like i have to imagine that they were present for a few like tantrums or acting outs or meltdowns you know and and in this film it it was really making me realize yeah you know we haven't seen any of that you know across this series and that's like got to be a conscious choice to to exclude those sort of moments and i think maybe weissman would have thought viewers might write off you know some some students if that that had been included in the film and and maybe it would be more difficult to draw these kind of broader general allegories i was talking about earlier to to just life and and people beyond the institution uh if those had been included but um yeah did you have any thoughts on that i i was just thinking i have a feeling i know what wiseman would say if you asked him about it That, that would be that. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see that. <laughs> if right. I saw it, I might have included it. Yeah, but he said he's such a slippery little slipper. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I guess before we get away from from this Cheryl scene, too, uh, just thinking about adjustment and work, you know, some something uh, one of the administrators said in a meeting is this idea of like pre-vocational training. You're, you're doing sorting, uh, you know, the little shapes, you know, you, you're doing little puzzles, you know, you're doing a lot of activities in your classes right now that are called pre-vocational uh, training skills. Although they're not in this high level, they are skills that the students will need to get to this level you know, fine motor skills, you know, and you continue, you're working on those now. You know, like, like this isn't even, 
the stuff to like that we would see an adjustment in work this is just to like sort of wrap around the concept of like manual dexterity or like doing a task you know Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's this like simulacral thing like like the yellow pegboard she does like Mm -hmm. even beyond what we see from like the nuts and bolts box or all those valspar training machines and adjustment and work it's like one further step removed from work or like tasks um uh to the level like like they talk about in this film it's 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 they're teaching survival you know like they're Mm -hmm. they they know like self-sufficiency and independence is is probably out of the reach for for a good a good number of these students so like what what are the goals um here uh and and yeah it's it's it becomes something so not minute but but uh what what would appear to most as be like rote or or uncomplicated yeah uh and the degree to which like like that has to be taught and it, it really makes you reflect on like not not take for granted how easy it is but reflect on like all that teaching that happened for us like when we were much younger and probably don't remember it you know and and like have just internalized it but like all of that is conditioning and all of that has been is learned behavior um so i think that this film really highlights that uh well hmm yeah i was just thinking as as you were talking about that like the ways that that this series offer a different idea of community i guess we talk about this a little bit with steve but um but thinking about wiseman's broader uh project um rather than just thinking within the within this series the ways that and and we do talk a lot about a scene and the ways that it that they reflect each other in terms of community but like you know community is like the wiseman project in a lot of ways especially when when you talk about the the city films but um and we'll talk with Missile uh, next time about uh, ways that uh, community is is always present, and they mm-hmm. were very much in the um, the military series. Um, think about you know passing the boot along, um, <laughs> yeah. but but, um, but just how this series offers um, a different tinge of community like just um uh in as many ways as it reverberates over his his catalog it also offers like a different idea about a different community um a very specific community um in a very specific place as we've talked about before but um i don't know it's interesting and and, um uh and i wanted to also bring up because we didn't talk about it in the second section when we mentioned the the one more river to go song Yeah, one more river to go. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
acapella song that he uses beautifully that Barry Keith Grant talks about how that song is about like uh one more river to traverse in order to achieve community um and it's like one of those like perfect Barry Keith Grant things where you're like oh of course <laughs> like <laughs> of course you nailed it um and yeah I don't know that's that's just a very moving scene um that I think we'll we we'll we'll come back to it as we continue our discussion in in films to come. Yeah, um, on the community note, um, I think it was right before that scene, and something we also talk about with Stephen is, uh, briefly is this rec room kind of uh, yeah. sequence, you know, where where kids are sort of given free reign to do whatever they want. There's a TV on in the background, but nobody really seems to notice it or pay attention. It's, it's just like kind stuff of that there. kids aren't, aren't interested in. Right. Like <laughs> right. News anchors like, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. I think different strokes comes on later, but, but that, <laughs> that news acre specifically, um, immediately brought to mind one of, I think your favorite scenes, uh, in hospital, uh, with, with the unnamed, oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, gay sex worker, um, mm-hmm. who's framed next to the Time magazine cover of the mayor right. of New York. Like, and here we have like this, this young black multi-handicapped student kind of in, and I think it was the same framing kind of yeah, like bottom and to the left of, yep. of the image. Right. Um, just drawing that discrepancy and highlighting, you know, the vast gulf in experience uh, present here between these two individuals and like, you know, the, the, uh, just different lives ahead for, for this young student, uh, relative to, to the place that I, I don't know if it was Tom Brokaw or Dan Rather or something, but, um, who was, that on sounds TV. like, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great call. And, um, that's something that, you know, if we ever get to talk to Wiseman again, that hopefully you can bring up just like the model, uh, sequence and, and, and he'll go. That's exactly what I think. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, hope, hope, hope so soon. Um, something else too, I think we got to just bring back Snyder and Mitchell because I think this film seemed to be big for them. Uh, and in talking about the series as the whole, they talk about uh, this is the cane training scene that they talk about. The one towards the beginning of mm-hmm. uh, individualized instruction It's like one student is, it seems like he's losing his sight. Uh, maybe he's not all fully blind yet because they put a blindfold on him. Uh, to, and he's to, older. Yeah. Well, I, I thought he was, he could conceivably be like college aged or something. Okay. But yeah. yeah, high school. But like, he's not a kid. Yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, um but like so they they like bring him out to the suburbs and and i think they said in the in the way that like a a parent teaching a kid to drive would like bring him to to like an empty parking lot kind of thing you know (laughs) Uh, which was pretty funny like not that and and it's true we don't see anybody else anywhere around this neighborhood of like giant houses um but uh like that that to me was like again kind of the way that that education in this setting is is largely parental it reminded me a lot of like when my dad was teaching me to ride a bike down a sidewalk you know just kind of 
trailing behind, you know, giving me soft guidance, but then just kind of letting me go and watching me careen into a bush or something, you know, the, yeah. like, that doesn't happen here. But like, um, the, that, um, yeah. So like the, the inmate idea, I guess, um, that Snyder and Mitchell bring up, like they're, they, they like the films it seems, but they're, they find so much to criticize in in the um, constructs and the operations of the institute and the way things are done, uh, and I think there's a lot of merit there, especially like we've talked about, like the segregation. Um, but the they had one thing uh, that stuck out to me with relates to what we've been discussing. Like um, they say, like the monotonous nature of the tasks that are depicted in the film, such as cane training provide the viewer with an understanding of institutional objectives to occupy residents with a series of operations that add up to little more than a future of continued institutionalization, which is something, you know, that's that read, they readily recognize at the beginning of this film. The major objective of the Helen Keller school of Alabama is to provide education and training for multiply handicapped sensory impaired students to develop to their highest potential skills and attitudes necessary to function in an opened or sheltered society. We can face it. Many of our individuals, in, many individuals that come through our school are going to need some sort of support and guidance, be it public or private, for the rest of their life. And so we cannot say that we're not going to, that, that we're going to ignore that. We're going to say that we're going to help the individual go to their fullest potential, but we're going to be prepared at age 21 because we know that that individual is likely to need some sort of assistance by some other agency after they've left the Helen Keller School. But is also, I think, again, like if we could think about this series allegorically, like isn't that what education is? Like, you know, teach you to wake up, sit at your desk, you know, be there for a certain time, do your task. And, and, you know, like, like that's just kind of what it is. And I don't think you could really fault this Institute for that in particular. It's just sort of, I don't know the way our society has like envisioned education to be. Well, it's, it's interesting um, that, that member seemed to key in on uh, Belfast, Maine as like a, as a reference point for him. And um, which like makes sense because that that film contains everything like that is. Yeah, that's the whole thing. And um, that's that that's in there. What you're talking about, about this, like continued institutionalization. Um, And uh, yeah, so it's it's really uh, it's it's interesting. But they're right to to point it out. Um, It's just more text here where it's subtext. and, and, um, and, And like I said, like this is going to reverberate over. Um, a lot of his other work uh, in ways that like, like I said, it can play as text here and it will play as subtext in other places. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I one one thing too, I just want to briefly, briefly touch on is like, um, I think some may question Weissman's project here in a similar way to how some questioned uh titty cut follies like like is he right to do that like is is it okay for him to film 
these institutionalized subjects like who don't really have a say like in these sort mm-hmm. of intimate sure. moments you know and and, and they're all wrong <laughs> no. well but I, that's the that's the beauty yeah. of documentary right like for that, sure that that those those questions exist and they're valid and there's there's no answer for them. <laughs> like, well i'd like to bring i'd like to bring maybe an answer that that christopher ricks again brought up yeah uh that i thought i thought was pretty poignant um but this idea of invasion of privacy um the the, it's really when you're feeling those having those thoughts it's really an invasion of (laughs) of your privacy sound like you're talking to peter now (laughs) (laughs) i don't know not not you dear weissman podcast listener but like yeah um whose invasion of privacy is it is it is it their privacy or is it is it your privacy uh against these subjects that you've been like uh made to never have to consider whether mm-hmm. it's it's deaf and blind students or uh like mentally ill people at, in bridgewater like like is that really what the offense is that that it's like a transgression on the uh, very like um purposeful uh, institutionalization that society has decided is right for these individuals um, that in effect removes them from broader society like is that what's really the, the offense that's being seen like like you feel like you're 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 not supposed to see this because like society has set it up to be like yeah like this happens over here don't worry about this right like do your own yeah, thing you know yeah yeah, yeah. um i mean i i I think um, throughout this series, I, I keep going back to what we talked about on the blind episode about, I wish I could remember the, the like social sociologist name, but like um, that this idea of access that is, that transcends um, that allows us to visit these people without being a hindrance to them. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, yeah. and that, that, that's, that's, um, a special thing and and it's a it's a way of using the medium to 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 grant uh viewers access in ways that um like i don't know other art forms can't yeah and and does it too maybe gesture towards like an uh improved ideas of institutions that like you know like it that that this film creates these bridges that these films create all these bridges like uh should should we not be more engaged and and like should these institutions not be more have more overlap with one another and i think i think throughout the films what we see is when they do have more overlap they're more successful um you know like like thinking of like hospital maybe you know right, uh, which right. which sort of embodies a lot of institutions we saw um in in isolation maybe being not so great but like like um under the umbrella of the like specific goal of public health you know are are made to to service yeah 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 it, it, this is like uh i don't know this is conversation where i just keep like uh all of these films like keep coming back to me and i like trying to connect the dots and and it just becomes unwieldy uh totally. as it often does especially sure. um 
But uh, I'm glad that we'll be able to see Hospital very soon together. Yeah. And after this film and, and kind of think about these different ideas of institution. Um, yeah, uh, I, I yeah. think this episode will be out uh, by then. But uh, yeah, if you're in Chicago on next Wednesday, December Seven. the 7th, uh, Sean and I will both be in attendance for the 35 millimeter screening of Hospital at Northeastern Illinois University, thanks to the Chicago Film Society. So hope to see you there. (laughs) (laughs) Book those tickets now. This will probably drop like a day or two before. (laughs) Show up and uh, come talk to us after. Um, But yeah, 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 I don't know. It's a special series and it's hard to pin down. And and I think it's something that that will live with us for a long time. I mean, yeah. I'm again, like, as we sort of get to the transition, I was just thankful that, that we could talk to Mamber, somebody who's seen the film at least three times we know mm-hmm. now. And so has, and has seen it since 86 or 87, um, three times. And so has had like a lot of time to think about it, um, and to live with it and still, and still comes to it and feels like, ref- like, still still feels like vitalized like seeing it um yeah. it is uh it was cool for like the, the real like wiseman <laughs> yeah no it, it it's always great to just hear him go off as as you're about to um but you know since you brought that up let me put you on the spot a little because i know it was before you we talked to him and and he really did you know uh, make this film seem so much more vital but um judging from your star rating is this your least favorite weissman film to date i i think it's the one that we've talked of the of the weissman films that we've talked about on the program it's yeah. probably the one that has resonated the least with me um but oh besides Serfia's diary. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we don't have to have consider that. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but of the docs, um, and even of a couple, but um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I'm excited about Missile because that's one. Um, and then, like, when we get to ballet, that I saw like before, I kind of like knew the full picture and, and like the sort of his like pet themes. Um, and so I, they didn't resonate with me in ways that I anticipate they will. And so I'm really excited to, mm-hmm. to give that another look and talk about it with our guest, um, on the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I would not never begrudge you, but cause I mean, I think, you know, it's probably towards the bottom, but like towards the bottom for Weissman is like, you know, it's all relative. It's like, well, yeah, I know. I was telling you after we watched adjustment work, I was like, this is probably if, if I like when I'm ranking them, like adjustment work is like 25th or something yeah, like yeah. that. And it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but but I was gonna say about adjustment work, like when you were talking about um, the Titicup Follies uh, connection of like how useful it is to be able to like to for him to have stumbled upon um, that factory and known what to do with it is like really important 
uh, worked, or at least like for me, like it really resonated very strongly and it, and it felt like something that he's, he just stumbled upon rather than being like, I know what this is. I'm going to go in there and like expose Mm it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah. yeah. And it also had to be something he came to from his experience at the schools for the blind and the deaf, right? Like, like, like the way he sequences the films again, like, I I wonder if there's some kind of mirroring of his own, like, experience arriving to the, the industries for the blind. It's, it's like, cause you could, you could see another filmmaker going in and not even considering to like get them or expose anything but seeing like look at like what a great thing we have set up here for like disadvantaged people you know they have an occupation and and you know are able to to be self-sufficient and like you know they're supporting our troops and like you know whatever like but but like it it is i mean his brain's always churning yeah i mean and it's like i think weissman uh you know, is not going to think that, uh, in any context, whether or not he was spending time at those other schools, but I think it, it throws it into even more sharp relief thinking about, you know, the, the bright young futures we're envisioning for our young students, uh, in those films. For sure. Um, well, yeah, we well, find you, Fred Wiseman was right. Shirts. Uh, I was going to say, uh, says, you know, Christmas coming up, still time <laughs> to get those orders in. Uh, we will get those shipped out speedy. Do not don't Google Fred Weissman was right shirt, <laughs> by the way. Also, if, uh, a lot, uh, somehow they, it's appeared on like every dropship site have gotten <laughs> imaginable. Bit, yeah. Get the true, authentic, uh, uh, organic Fred Weissman, Weissman was podcast. Yeah, Weissman, exactly. Um, still got them available. Um, yeah. If I see you in public with, with a non-authentic one. I could tell the fonts are different. <laughs> All right. Well, we should wrap this up, but I hope that you enjoy the chat with member as I'm sure you will. Um, and we will see you next time. See you there. God's love is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. God's love is wonderful, oh, wonderful. Welcome back to Wiseman Podcast. Uh, We are here by our uh, prestigious third-time guest, Stephen Mamber. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing very well, and I realized it's uh, 10 films since we got together. Oh. Uh, ten, 10 cents meat so it's nice to be back and <laughs> Check uh, in. Yeah. and one of the reasons i was very happy to come back is i think you've done a really terrific job with the other three in, in this i guess you call it a tetralogy when it's four films mm-hmm. to, together as a group and uh, i really like how you've done them so i'm glad to be here for the for the fourth one i think it's a very important group of films and you've done a great job with the first three so i hope we could really like you have with the others really stick to this one and kind of uh, explore it in some depth and uh, um, if we encourage people to see these four and take them as seriously as uh, you guys have, I think we've done a really good job. So thank you for inviting me back to be part of this because uh, I think they are really important films. 
Of course, yeah, ha- happy to have you, and especially, you know, when we were doing the Blind episode, remarking upon your your uh, L.A. Uh, sc- original screening of these films at the at the film festival with Weissman uh, picking him up from the airport, if I remember. Is that right? Yeah, we, we almost have as large a group as uh, when he showed the films at the film festival. I think there were six six more if you count all three of us there are five more people than than uh, we have assembled right now uh, on, on, on this zoom um, the festival was big but the, at the time they farmed out a bunch of the screenings and i think it was at a local city college in a screening room so hmm. people had to drive across town to, oh, uh, wow. to, to 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 do it but like you talked about it as i told you uh he was really great for those and uh um, spoke just the same with uh, eight people in the room as he would have with uh, two or three hundred and just answered every question and spoke at some length. So uh, it was really a nice way to be able to to see them. And they did screen 60 millimeter prints of all of them. So so that was that was very nice, too. Um, I was going to suggest a place we could start, if you don't mind me yeah, jumping in. I'm doing means. it. And yeah. I'm actually stealing it from my – I did sneak a peek at your letterboxed comments. Both of you have already uh, uh, gotten, gotten in sure. some comments there. And I think it was you, Arlen, who was quoting from Barry Keith Grant or referring to him about his connecting multi-handicap yeah. to a scene, which um, doesn't right off sound like it would be a connection, but – uh, I, I just watched Multi Handicapped again to be ready for this. It was, mm. it was a really good experience watching it kind of by itself. And somehow a scene really kind of connected to it. And one of the ways that it did for me is that when you're watching a scene, nobody says, when are these, uh, when are these guys going to uh, learn a trade and get out of here? And <laughs> you, don't, you don't think of the institution as a place that you're leaving to go somewhere else. And I know Barry Keith Grant talks about the whole transcendental thing, and we can talk about that. But I was really struck with multi-handicap too, that it uh, kind of presents the world of that school as a closed community. And you don't really have to think of where they're going to go next, even though the film does reference that at 21, they're going to have to be elsewhere. But I think it's kind of a, a... more like a scene and more like a uh, a film about an enclosed community than any of the other ones of the uh, this group of four. You did a great job with uh, adjustment and work and uh, the problems of minimum wage jobs, if that's where uh, people are going. And in a way, uh, multi-handicapped is kind of an alternative view of that, that we don't have to think of uh, everybody here winding up in minimum wage jobs or going elsewhere. Um, there's, there are quite a number of scenes in multi-handicap that seem to emphasize the sense of community and the ability of people to communicate with each other and be uh, kind of, I don't know if happy is the right word, mm. but be comfortable in a world. And I just started to think about other Wiseman films too, like Belfast, Maine, the, the, the city films, where it just feels like... Uh, we're seeing how people live as a group. And uh, uh, of course, there are problems that uh, come up that are, are you know, larger social issues. But this is kind of Wiseman on an ethnographic level almost, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Just showing what it's like 
to live like this. And that's where I think we can get into, too. I think you mentioned it on a couple of the other uh, uh, episodes, but uh, I was really struck by it, too, that Wiseman tries to give you a bit of the experience of what it's like to be blind or remind you that mm -hmm. um, we, we have powers that uh, not everybody has. So even simple things like the way the film ends by going to darkness, um, uh, you know, it's not done for more than maybe five, 10 seconds, uh, but it just kind of reminds you, well, you're able to do things that not everybody can. And, and, and that's where I think multi-handicapped is another of those titles that uh, can be taken a few different uh, uh, ways. In a certain sense, everybody is handicapped. And also, uh, multi-handicapped uh, some of them might be physical and some of the other uh, some of the other handicaps might be social you mm -hmm. know so the school might uh, be giving them more handicaps than they ought to mm -hmm. in uh suggesting that they they have more limited possibilities than perhaps they have or mm -hmm. that um, they have to aspire to things that they they don't need to uh, aspire to so i don't know i guess just for starting off uh, uh the, the, the sense I had was that, you know, this is a, comp a complex wise man as ever, but not one just to be taken as like, oh, this is part four of how do people uh, get jobs in, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, at minimum wage doing uh, rep repetitive things. It's, it, it's a more, com uh, of course, it's a more complex film than that, as we would expect from wise men. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I was actually curious about um, how the difference between seeing them all in two days versus like you did here, which is like kind of see this as like a discrete film. Uh, I wonder if you had thoughts about that, because I'm, I'm glad that we spaced this out uh, like a month at a time, um, because they're, they're all uh, they all add new layers and have like different things going on. But um, but yeah. So how did how did that feel just watching this as a discrete film? Well, when I when I saw them all together, and when when I was doing it for the journal, of course, I was seeing all forty five of the films every couple of days. And, and when I did that, these four kind of uh, flowed very smoothly into all of the others. And there are some ways that uh, that happens. I hope we talk about, especially with regard to teaching and uh, Wiseman's interest in teaching and education in general. But I was really glad this time to watch Multi-Handicapped all by itself, because uh, in a certain way, I think we can probably all overemphasize the linkages between the movies and not be fair enough to how they can stand on their own. And multi-handicap really does stand on its own. <laughs> and a couple of ways that it does that is, I think it's really striking how little dialogue there is in the film, how much mm -hmm. spoken spoken speech. And then also, um, I mean, I was already very struck by it, but this is a John Davy par excellence. For I sure. Think it's yeah. just... It's, it's so beautifully shot, and I hope we will talk about some of the particular examples of that as we go along. But when you watch it by itself, it's just so striking how just every time the camera just seems to be in, uh, it's both an unobtrusive place, but not uh, not a place that's like uh, overly emphasizing anything. He just always kind of finds the right distance. And I don't know how he managed to be so steady with cameras that were still very heavy at, at the time, but it's just 
so perfectly not feeling like it's handheld. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. it's just it's just so incredibly shot. And there are camera movements, but you don't pay a lot of. It's not showy camera movements. It's camera movements that are justified by the movements of characters. It's just so beautifully filmed that it's it stands on its own that 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 way all that way also. So um, I think sometimes we kind of give short shrift to how the individual films stand up together, and especially these four. You know, they're so mm-hmm. naturally grouped, obviously by. Uh, him having shot them all in the same place in a short amount of time in places right right next to each other. But each film kind of is its own thing. And I think mm-hmm. especially multi-handicapped of the four really stands separate. It's not just doing the same things that the other four do. In a way, it's almost a kind of alternative to the other to the other four. Blind and deaf are each kind of dealing with the specific problems of those handicaps. And adjustment and work really does get into the questions that its title talks about. So multi-handicap just moves off into its own realm. So because yeah. of that, it because of that, it can stand on its own. You know, we'll we'll talk, I'm sure, about connections to the other ones, but uh um uh, it's not just a tacked-on movie in any way, or it's not just uh, chapter four of a four-part thing. Mm-hmm. It, it, its interests are so specific, I think, or its way of showing things, or that um, a scene would be a film that we would want to connect it to, I think sort of suggests that you look elsewhere in Wiseman uh, beyond just the immediate three that preceded in the, in this in this group uh, in this group of movies, um, and that's where I think that that feeling of what it's like to be in a place is maybe something, you know. Wiseman keeps mentioning it, I think, in inter- interviews. But when you're watching the films, you forget about it a little bit. You know, you want to think, well, what is Wiseman thinking about this, or what is the social issue that's being presented by seeing this particular scene. And multi-handicapped, I think, is really trying to give you the feeling of this is what it's like to to be at this place. This is what it's like to experience it. And no matter how, how many times Wiseman says, I'm just giving you records of what it's like to have been uh, to have been somewhere. This is a film that really shows, I mean, I think it's almost a kind of experiment of trying mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, this is trying to give you that lived experience of being there in a way that uh, doesn't try sometimes to complicate it by saying, well, you know, what is the social issue that this scene is bringing up? Or is the scene like one where we've uh, looked at in one of the other three films that, that preceded it? It's more like this is what it feels like to be there. And especially because um, these are people who are communicating through uh, sign language, and we often don't understand them. And often it's that special kind of sign language where mm-hmm. they have to touch each other because mm-hmm. they can't they can't see. Um, uh, I would imagine very few people watching the film can actually uh, understand, you know, on that level what's mm-hmm. uh, what's being said. So you have to kind of understand it on other levels of what does it feel like to be in this room? Do you feel bored? Do you feel like uh, the people are happy? Are you judging their facial expressions? You're going through things a little closer to what they're doing, or it's a different kind of experience when you're watching it than even in a typical Wiseman film. It's, I think, him trying to give you what he always describes he wants to, mm-hmm. to give you, but it's not 
in a way complicated by those other things. And I know for some people that that'll make it be be boring. But uh, I don't know how many times we have to say it. I think <laughs> these 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 four films especially are anything but boring. And uh, uh, you know, it's a subject probably uh, you know very few of us know about from direct. Uh, from direct experience so you you have that level of uh, kind of a, you know documentary value to it and uh, that it's showing you uh, people and problems that you otherwise wouldn't have uh, experienced but at the same time it is trying to give you some experiences that are on a similar kind of level to make you feel like what what's going on when you can't understand everything or maybe you're not seeing everything or maybe you're not understanding why people are doing the things that they're they're doing it seems like it's a much more exper- experiential film mm-hmm. than uh, or- ordinarily we would get right. so i th- i think it's a great experiment that way to try to try to to try to do that so i think i think that makes it anything but boring to to mm-hmm. try to do that a lot, a lot there, Stephen. Um, but I think you're you're right. It, it's a unique film for Weissman and in the series both. But it, it's almost like there certainly are prototypical Weissman scenes of meetings and you know uh, uh, trying to uh, vocalize the aims of the institution and navigate the problems between administrators. But I personally found myself during those moments wanting to go back to the scenes of instruction, the scenes without much dialogue, because hmm. I, I had been so sort of primed and attuned to the mode of watching those that, that it was almost jarring when we would get kind of a, a five, 10 minute, you know, scene of, of teachers talking to each other well, about well, their let's, students. Let's maybe yeah. talk about those teacher scenes uh, a little <laughs> bit because they're kind of interesting and also a little, a little bit different, I think, than yeah. the ones in the, in, in the other films. They're talking about how they have to develop a curriculum to deal with basic needs. First, this is the, the Cephep Skills uh, Curriculum Committee, okay? And what we want you to do is to provide for us uh, a continuum of skills that will be needed in Cephep. And that is starting with level one up to level three, according to that outline. Okay, keeping in mind that some of the students are going to be, won't, won't even be in this uh, self-help. You know, they'll have skills. You need to keep in mind the skills that a level three child projecting uh, independent living, the skills in self-help that they would need. Okay, you need to really think about what kinds of skills they will need in self-help. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm talking about beyond being able to dress themselves, um, grooming, right, you know, taking care of their personal, really personal uh, needs uh, for a girl, her menstrual cycle, and just really high-level self-help skills at the, at the top of the continuum. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you also meaning something simple like fixing a sandwich, preparing something? I think that's going to come in home management. Okay. And as they talk about them, I think that, you know, they do this business of level one, level two, level three, and are some of the things they're teaching more advanced and they have to do level one. And I think they wind up kind of throwing their hands in the air in a way. And it's like all of the, they decide all of these needs are basic needs. And 
the curriculum is the same wherever they are. There's no difference. They talk a little bit about are they learning different things in the dormitories versus mm-hmm. what do they learn in the classroom. And they they wind up, in a way, it's sort of frustrating, and in a way, it's sort of good that um, they say, well, really what we're teaching them is just to survive. Right. And it's almost like they're talking about what's the purpose of education generally, in a way. Yeah. So uh, um, I don't think they come across as experts in any way, and mm-hmm. I don't think they're made fun of in any way no. for trying to introduce jargon into it, which I think did come up a little bit in some of the, the other ones. And uh, uh, I think fortunately in most of the discussions, uh, they're, they're, uh, they they don't speak of the students in a derogatory way. The only one mm-hmm. of that, the, the, the guy I can't stand is that scene where he says uh, 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 something like- uh, There's uh, many, many, many people all around wants a job, and why? Why you want a job? You get free food, right? Your clothes, are they free? You live in the dorm for free, that true? You the same? You want a job? You have a job. Now, can I give you another job? Mm-hmm. Travis, do you have a job? No. Sir. No. Do you want a job? Yes, sir. What for? To learn. To learn on the job. Okay. Who? You have a job? <laughs> Two boys the same morning come over here looking at me wanting a job. Why you, and you can't tell me why? You are unemployed. Right. He sort of makes fun. Uh, yeah. Of yeah. Their, the guy from Adjustment their... and Work. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. It's the same guy yeah. we had seen. See there, adjustment of work I haven't seen for a year and a half, so I didn't remember <laughs> it was the it was the same guy. But uh, the scenes of the teachers themselves, they never talk that way. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think in yeah. general, and I think that's a wonderful thing about the film too, is that the teachers I think are really trying so hard, and their motives really are, it seems for for uh, for the most part, or or uh, almost exclusively, just to to get kids to be able to do basic survival. Things you know we don't uh, you know we don't get that many scenes where you feel like oh we're we're doing this to get them into a dead end job somewhere you know <laughs> right. this is yeah. this, this is, is we're doing it to get them to get up in the morning and be able to eat and to be able to brush their teeth and, and these that, are like uh, these are these are like a far cry from the meeting scene and at the end of adjustment and work where they're having like this heated debate about labor and semantics and respect and. Uh, these are just like much more straightforward and more like respectable. And, um, and like you said, like they're talking about how these people will need assistance as they leave the institution, um, you know, for the rest of their lives, perhaps, um, which once again, upends these earlier, uh, maybe ideas of independence in the first two. But, um, but yeah, th- this is, uh, I, we're, we're seeing Wiseman sort of round into like fully formed, like meeting scene guy, I think with these. 
I think too something you brought up, you know, this this idea of like teaching survival skills or you know what they call I think just like basic living skills, you know, like hygiene and things. Mm-hmm. You know, more much more than in in the previous films in this series. The role here, I mean, I, you could talk about like Jason asking to have his toenails clipped, but but seems almost more parental in nature than mm-hmm. than educational uh, as as we would imagine it in, in a colloquial sense, you know, where it's it's really like you said survival. It's 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 the basic things. It's brushing your teeth, you know. It's it's folding a, a washcloth, you know. Boy, boy, is it ever folding a washcloth. That that uh, that scene, I think. Steven, speaking of what you were talking to about Davey, uh, his camera work in that scene really struck me because it's this unbroken take, but the the shot, uh, he's reframing the image constantly, you know, going wide between the two, then zooming in on her hands while she fits, you know, the yellow pegs into the holes, then zooming back out as they switch to the washcloth folding, you know, all very seamless. And I think, you know, it's... It's a beautiful example of the dance between Weissman and Davey because, you know, Weissman, to his credit, allows it all to play out. You know, he doesn't cut. He doesn't, uh, uh, you know, reposition the scene himself. He just allows it to play out as Davey saw it in the moment, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, you know, as, as indicative of their their method, especially at this point now, um, almost 10 years into collaboration together um uh that that they really uh hit a groove i think yeah i'm glad you brought up the wash club folding scene and let me mention a couple of others that go with that i guess this could be our little bit of a discussion about long takes because i think it's amazing when you get a scene that um uh like um uh, I guess since people can go back on Canopy and and see and see these if they want, I would point to another one like the one that you just mentioned, Arlen, and it's the uh, uh, the clock reading scene. I guess you would call mm-hmm. it, where it's a, a a class where they're moving the the uh, uh, the hands of a clock around to learn to to tell time. Tracy, show me nine thirty. Nine. 30, 30, okay, just sign it, sign it with me, one, come on, sign it, one, mm. no, one, 9, 30, that says 9, oh, oh, mm. mm-mm, mm-mm, 9, 30, mm. Nine. Mm. Thirty. Let that stay. Where does this one go? Thirty. It says oh oh. Mm. Good girl. It comes at nineteen minutes in. If anybody wants to go back and uh, look at it. But it's about a six-minute scene that's basically two shots. And um, it's the one also where you're about halfway through the, the scene when you see that one of the students is much older 
There's a kid who looks like he's must be about 17 and you don't know it until uh, you're, you're, you're about halfway through. But um, in the middle of that scene, there's one cut so that Davey gives you a position that's looking more down on the clock so that you can, you can see them. But it's the only cut of the entire six minute scene. And it's amazing that he could both move around and do that and not feel like you're missing very much, but also that long takes are, are here. You know, there, there's there's never, I think, a, a, a show off a long take like the amazing one of, uh, mm-hmm. what's his name, uh, Jason and uh, <laughs> Blind, which is still the most amazing shot in any movie ever. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it brings tears to my eyes whenever, whenever I think of it. But in multi-handicap, there's never any that are like that. But there's still... Uh, uh, quite a number of times where you'll get like these five minute scenes and the five minute scene will be maybe two shots and mm-hmm. that's it. And for this kind of movie, that's a really long amount of time. And especially to when, you know, emphasis is made about, you know, how much editing is important for wise men. And he takes a year to edit these films and you think of him pouring over every cut Part of what he does, uh, especially here, that's pretty amazing is he decides not to cut. Or he doesn't go, you know, you hardly see inserts to things where, you know, he's just trying to bridge from one shot to another. It'll just be like one pretty long, complete shot, followed by another pretty long, complete shot. There's another scene like that, if we're talking about those. Um, I I think there are kind of navigation scenes in every Mm -hmm. one of the, the movies. And there is one where a girl is walking along the side of a of a corridor. Use your right hand. Oh, I'll see. Back in your fingertips. Stay on the wall, Suzanne. There you go. Get to the record player stand. Just go around it. Go around it. Keep your hands on the wall. All the way around it. The difference here, and I think that's what is part of a kind of general theme of uh, multi-handicapped is independence, uh, is this navigation. She's left to do it a little more on her own, and she has to walk by a classroom, and she's asked what the name of the classroom is, and she knows it, and she keeps walking forward. And eventually, also, we go outside. In that, mm-hmm. in that too, and that's another one where it's about five minutes entirely. I can uh, tell you if you wanted. Uh, it comes uh, fifty-nine minutes in. If anybody ever wants to go back and look, you go from about fifty-nine minutes to sixty-four minutes watching this girl walk along the hallway inside to walking outside, all done in two shots. And even going from inside to outside, Davy just follows her. There's no cut there at all until you're well along in it. And what's really funny with it is that right at the very end, there is a cut. And when you come back, it's only about five seconds longer just to kind of complete it. And it's almost like a punctuation point if you're looking at the lengths of shots. I think it is one that's worth going back to because it's sort of like Wiseman saying, I could have cut anywhere else if I wanted to, but I didn't (laughs) have to, you know, because of how brilliantly this was shot. But I'm going to give you this extra five seconds just to 
just to complete this, just to show you. I'm not just trying to show off in the lengths of the, <laughs> of the shot. Anyway, if you're looking at long takes, this is a film, I think it has like three or, three or four, like the one that you mentioned, or there really are yeah. Bravura sequences. So, you know, between him not wandering around ever, you know, I, you know that's the cliche of cinema verite that Davy completely mm. avoids is he's not kind of looking for stuff while the scene is going on, you know, he doesn't wander to somebody's hands or look over to somebody else watching them. They're looking at what they're looking at, you know, and they're not moving yeah. to to something else until you move to that and you don't come back to the to the fir- to the first thing again. It feels really purposeful when they do it, and I think yeah, you you just uh, have to see a bunch of these films to really appreciate it because so many filmmakers will just kind of make it up as they go along, and that can have its its advantages maybe. But in Wiseman films, it just really seems. To, Davey is just the ideal cameraman for him or they're yeah. collaborative you know we don't know which of them it is or if it's just a result of all of these films together like like you're you know correctly saying I think well it's funny you, you say verite because um, two words really came to mind for me watching this movie and one was verite and the other one was rigor and I think there's something rigorous in, in Wiseman's dedication like like we've been talking about to showing us things that that uh, you've laid out, like the basic difficulties of being alive when you're multi-handicapped and of also teaching them how to better navigate that life. And so there's there's a rigor like inherent in showing us the lives of the multi-handicapped and, and the, the verite is inherent in, in that rigor, if that makes sense. But um, uh, I kind of wanted to tie this in. Well, I, I wanted to bring it up because you wrote the book on cinema verite, but, um, <laughs> uh, but you, you you've detailed uh here but um uh i was i very much appreciated how much you talked about davy's uh cinematography and in your your diary and you you go through and talk about like how dexterous he is and and his ability to to get coverage needed but also you know shooting in a place um with confined spaces and also having constant movement but doing in a way that feels like a studio production and um you have this line, uh, the feeling is of looking at things directly, a style so strong that I think you could take about five minutes from any of these films and recognize the cinematographer right away. And not only is this worth recognizing on its own, just for his own merits, but I think it adds to this discussion of verite, um, verite filmmaking and how Wiseman embodies it specifically or also distances himself from it in other ways. Um, so tell me if I'm wrong, Steve, but I feel like one of the primary like fixtures of Verite docs is this feeling of spontaneity and like, which is often conveyed through like unwieldy handheld cinematography, but then, but here, um, and generally in Wiseman's work with Davy, the cinematography like curbs that feeling of spontaneity and, and just as Wiseman tries to, to curb it as much as possible in the edit, like he, he talked with us about, um, juvenile court, something like that, which has more of that classic verite spon- spontaneity um, and the way that they're shooting in these close quarters and, and they weren't able to get many cutaways. But, you know, Wiseman's looking for those cutaways to kind of make it have more of that studio production, um, which is this is all just to say that Wiseman is very much interested in the standard language of classic 
like film studio filmmaking rather than trying to be like a visual iconoclast. But something like multi-handicapped feels like it embodies the true essence of cinema verite. Well, I think what you've been saying is really smart. <laughs> it's brilliant, actually. And I think where that kind of leads you is to say, Wiseman and Davy have developed a style and it's evolved over over their over their films and that doesn't mean each film is like a progression from the from the one before but that they're thinking about the questions that that that, that you're describing and they're thinking about what will the film look like when people see it you know not not just yeah. as a record of the, of of uh, what it was like to be there but they're aware of that while they're filming it so you know, I think what what you feel, uh, you know, that is part of what makes the films great is, and it's not just with Wiseman, but with any great filmmaker, you feel like they're looking at things for a purpose. You know, mm -hmm. and they know they know what they're seeing, and they're presenting it in a way that that, that is a coherent style, and that doesn't have what Wiseman chose is that doesn't have to be contradictory with non nonfiction film. I mean, that's probably Wiseman's single greatest contribution to movies is, mm. is that he, bri he bridges that, that mm -hmm. gap, right? These aren't scripted movies. He, he doesn't give people things to say, but the films that he produces can be looked at and appreciated the same way that scripted films would. Mm. But you get this whole extra dimension that them being real adds adds to it. So it gives us these uh, at least two ways to talk about them. You know, so right now you're talking about I think a really important one is that there is a style here and that there is something that uh, is unique to if we just say Wiseman slash Davy maybe that is is something they figured out about how to use the medium and how to present the medium. You know, they've got a certain uh, kind of framing. They've got a certain kind of uh, uh, position they like to uh, like to be in. They don't want you to notice the camera particularly. Although there is one funny moment in Multi Handicap where a kid does bump into the camera and they let they leave <laughs> it in, which uh, is uh, which I think is uh, nice, nicely kind of kind of kind of humorous. But um, uh, Wiseman makes you aware of him as a filmmaker without that being contradictory to the idea that he's showing you experience where he wants to be invisible you know it sounds like those are contradictory but in a great filmmaker like him it's not you know i mean i think what we all come to appreciate very quickly i know you guys have because you've talked about it, a bunch is you you just start to feel like wiseman is really really smart and <laughs> you know he he knows why he's looking at what he's looking at you know he's found yeah. and 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 interested in it, and it's not like a doctrinaire, dogmatic, automatic one, you know, he just, uh, he's thinking all the time and he's got, he's got a real eye for cinema. You know, he, he is really a great filmmaker and it's not just kind of accidentally recorded stuff. And that's where, you know, his style of cinema verite is different from, from other people's and it's probably more advanced. You know, I, I think I would almost dare to say, I mean, there's a other filmmakers I love too, for a very, different from him but Wiseman is on a plateau you know where the great filmmakers yeah. belong mm -hmm. because he's worked through these ideas that you know we can kind of trail along after and see what parts of it we can try to figure out you know I, I, so I think Sean what you were talking about is really important and really is sort of essential to appreciating multi 
handicap because it's almost that that's where transcendental style comes mm. back into it yeah i think again and also where this does seem to be like a seed which also it has like a kind of purity to it that seems yeah. different you know where it it it's not letting other issues get in the way almost it's really like yeah. focused on direct human experience in some kind of very artful manner it feels like a lack of editorializing. Like mm-hmm. you, you think of adjustment and work and you see this dominant perspective about, you know, the view of these adults as exploited inmates. And here I don't, I don't get like a big idea about what Wiseman's trying to say. It's more about this experiential uh, type of film. Yeah. And I hope to us, that's a, that's a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's what uh, a lot of times cinema verified films are criticized for, mm-hmm. For not telling you how to think about what right. you're what, what you're seeing, but not not being doctrinaire is a great quality, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Not just a documentary film, but in all films, I don't think we want to be told what to to see, and also we don't have to think there's a hidden agenda where we have to do. <laughs> that's that kind of thing, and you you both spoken about this well in other of your episodes that. We're, and I, I like to talk about it, too, that we're not trying to figure out what does Wiseman really think about this? Like he's got one yeah. hidden, hidden motive, yeah, because yeah. that's kind of back to the doctrinaire thing. I think he's showing you a lot of these things because they are complex or because they're complex and beautiful and because they bump up against 20 different ideas or, you know, a whole bunch of ways of looking at it mm-hmm. or for him too, like us, when he looks at it over, he probably thinks about different things than he thought about the the, the first time because the mm-hmm. material has that kind of depth to it because he has that sensitivity to the to the material going back to when he shot it to to have it there or also because he's he's dealing with really complex subjects and again that's where especially a scene and this one I think they're dealing with like the basics of human existence you know multi handicapped is about what does it take to survive and how can you survive and be happy if lots of things are stripped away from you on a on both a physical level and maybe on a material level mm-hmm. also and similarly with with a scene i don't think we we see those people as having problems that led them there we see pe- we see people who are trying to figure out what's the meaning of their their lives they're not looking to solve something to go off elsewhere so that too i don't think you look at in a particularly doctrinaire kind of kind of manner and that's really hard to make films about these kind of subjects isn't it and so that we even have two of these at least from Wiseman maybe there'll be later on some some of them that'll touch upon this too but but these are big things he's he's dealing with here and that go beyond just the institutions that he's talking about or going beyond the social problems that the institutions raise too i mean i think this is pretty large important stuff that he's he's that he's throwing back on the viewer but giving us rich experience to 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 try to to try to explore it through that that's where you know i find both the teachers and the students in multi handicap just uh really touching uh as people you know we we still don't get any of them for very long periods of time but it's just like you feel like from one or from one or two scenes like you feel a combination of sympathy and connection that i find very rare in mm-hmm. these kinds of films and it's because uh that that's i think what weisman's trying to do and that's where a scene did that too i mean i think you really feel 
closely in a strong way to those people that you don't usually in documentary films. And it's because these are not conventional documentary films. Mm -hmm. So sorry for that rant, but it it really, I think, uh, touches upon what you brought up. Sean, of how how these how 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 getting away from the doctrinaire is very mm-hmm. important with with this film and sure. often with often with Weissman. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's so many things we could touch on there, Steve. But I think you know, going back to to the conversation we were having a little bit ago about cinematography, you know, I think you you put it in your journal that that they're looking directly at things. I I. Uh, put it kind of like they're it seems like they're unflinching you know they continue to look uh they continue to gaze uh even when information has already been established and it might be become uncomfortable and it really um that seems to me like the chief cinematic operation you know we talked way back in blind about this idea of like duration and the ability through duration to cinematically communicate the experiences of of the population here um but like you know i'm thinking of like the scene where they're just walking across the parking lot with a few students and and they're focusing on cheryl who who is the the washcloth folder it seems to get uh, more upset when all right if she starts to self-abuse then we'll stop okay And I'll let you know if we have permission to start the sleep medication tonight. All right, then we'll we'll see. Because we have our night nurse coming on tonight, so she'll be able to help in the dorm. Who they also talk about earlier as as not being able to sleep, not getting enough sleep, and having to sleep during the day. Um, and it's it's interesting that she is sort of our kind of main character, for lack of a better term, in this film, relative to say someone like Jason and Blind, you know, who we see repeatedly, or Peter and Deaf, right? Like like Cheryl even relative to a lot of the other students we see at the Helen Keller School is like pretty nonverbal, you know, like non-communicative. She just she she has to be strapped in a chair to eat. You know, her 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 level of functioning seems seems pretty uh, severe. You know, relative to to all the students. Yet she's our cipher, right, for the audience. Mm-hmm. Like she she is the one who continually we are asked being asked to occupy her perspective in a way that that like is kind of just absent. I think in in cinema, you know, like that 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 felt so unique to me. And, yeah, and well, that, I, I I think yeah. a, a key word you used there was uh, again unflinching is yeah. is a really it was a really important word. And I mean, let's try to be honest about this, or I'll be honest myself and say it's difficult to look at blind people uh, because they're looking back at you, but they can't see you. So mm-hmm. it's it's uncomfortable to watch a lot of these four films, I think, or I felt that, but Wiseman, uh, Wiseman does it directly or Wiseman and Davey does. And in a way I would almost bring it back to all of the other times in Wiseman films where we see things that are very difficult to watch. And 
they're nowhere near similar, but like all of the times we saw, we see operations in his films and you want to, you want to look away, uh, the experiments in primate, you don't want to look at certainly in meat, you don't want to see <laughs> animals slaughtered. Um, you know, it's not the same thing looking at handicapped people, but you're just not used to in a movie looking directly at people who can't look back at you or can't respond to you in the in 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 the same kind of way. So uh, it would otherwise be a very uncomfortable film to look at. But multi handicap makes it, uh, it it surmounts that barrier. I think it goes yeah it goes to that that idea of duration like you're talking about Arlen where you know take the washcloth scene where you're watching it and it's not just, it's, it, he's not just, just trying to contain or convey like one idea. You like to go back to the Eric Hines quote, you start watching differently and you're able to like focus on more things and think about uh, both perspectives and, and thinking about what this action does uh, for, for her and what it's gonna lead to. And like, there, there's just like, um, you know, a plethora of, of ideas that you're able to think about because Wiseman is able to just show or is willing to show us this this scene for a long time. And, and it's not just, um, you know, it's it's not your garden variety movie about handicapped people. Um, well, you, let, let me yeah. let me toss this one at you, because I think it's <laughs> consistent with uh, what you're talking yeah. about. That's why I enjoy talking so much with, with you, too, because I think we're uh, very often on, on, the, on, on the same wavelength. I think a fair amount of multi-handicap is about teaching that is unsuccessful in a certain sense. Mm -hmm. Like you don't, you don't get those cliche kind of scenes that right. you would get in movies about teaching where you do something over and over again. And finally there's the big breakthrough <laughs> and yeah. somebody learned like the, the uh, washcloth scene. I don't think she really learns how to no. fold a washcloth. Well, it's true. It's like, what do, what do we see as like the triumph? Like you're saying what, you know, the biggest, the triumph we get i think is like like one of the students picking out their last name and then their address you know kind of in succession or like one student after you know a half a dozen times of correction finally getting like 9 30 instead of nine like relative to like delivering a letter you know or or like, something yeah, like the, the, the feeling yeah, yeah. the feeling is like they're they're not triumphing but they're doing enough to survive or they're not there to learn a skill yeah, so that yeah. they can go off and make brooms or, you know, whatever sure. they were doing in the other film. And that goes right to the end, you know, with that strange Bible scene that we'll probably talk about in another mm. context in a little bit. But when uh, the guy's trying to teach them the story of Cain and Abel. All right. When God was making the world, he made a man. Adam. Adam's wife. Remember her? Adam's wife's name. He had a cat named after Adam and Eve were sent out of the Garden of Eden, they had two children. Two what? Two sons. Two boys. Two sons? Uh-huh. And the oldest one's name was Cain. Cain? Does anybody know the name of the youngest son? I do. All right, what was Abel. Abel. Uh, Cain and Abel. All right, when they became older, Cain became a farmer while Abel was a shepherd. Now, what does a shepherd do? A shepherd, a German shepherd. <laughs> a German shepherd? A man who's a shepherd? A man is a shepherd, not no German shepherd. Uh -huh. yeah. And they, you know, they, they're just not getting any of it because they don't understand what killing is and the, 
the one girl thinks that Abel has a cat named Cringer and all of this, but um, they they enjoy the story and they get to be together in experiencing the story. And it's, again, it's not a triumph, but it's a community and it serves a kind of purpose because they're they're happy in the experience of the of the story. So. Uh, uh, you know, it's not a documentary that leads you to, oh, their lives are improved or things are going to be better for them or even the opposite of that, that they're never going to be better or they're never going to be improved. It's that um, they're trying to survive. And uh, even things that look like they're trying to be educational in a conventional sense, what they really seem to be doing is um, – making them somewhat more social or making them more sometimes even more comfortable at, at supposedly failing and mm. not uh, not getting the right answer with money or with a with a clock but uh, figuring out enough to 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 get by that's where the i think the an absolutely brilliant scene in the film or a really 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 great scene in the whole four movies is the cafeteria scene which mm, is about yeah. It's about five minutes long. Nobody talks during the entire thing. Sometimes the the students do pretty well in eating. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're helped by the teachers. Sometimes they're not. Um, all the way through it, I felt like I was in a constant state of anxiety. <laughs> like, oh, they're really going to mess up somehow. Yeah. And there's going to be food all over the floor. Well, there, where's that one moment where the milk, right? Like, oh, yeah, like yeah. Two, two relatively young students, and one of them is like pouring milk into the other's mouth. Where it's just like, A, you know, they don't have straws anywhere. Um, but B, it kind of reminded me there's, there's uh, in, in Kristen Johnson's film, Camera Person, there's a moment where she's filming this toddler kind of toddling off with like a little axe. And she's like, uh, is somebody gonna, you know, should I go over there? And it was, it was almost like, God, is this kid gonna choke on the milk? You know, the way well, it's being. There's a bunch of times of danger in multi-handicap, aren't there, or in all four of these films. Uh, those ones where they're walking by highways or they're they're walking through a parking lot and a car goes by and you think how do they stay alive but but the milk uh, uh, i i think what what's uh uh really good about that too is there are a bunch of times like that one where one student is helping another's uh, another and it's like they don't need the teachers Mm there they would get by you know the kid uh who can't drink milk very well gets help from a from another one uh there's sometimes where they're talking together that that way, I really love that scene with the uh, the pool table where there's a yeah. black kid and a white kid who are uh, off to the kind side, of like face signing. Yeah, they're they're having some kind of conversation that we have no idea what they're talking about, but they seem perfectly fine having that conversation together and being in that mm-hmm. being in that room. But the cafeteria scene is, uh, I, I think, has a number of those examples where yeah. it's one student helping another or. We feel relief that they're just like they are able to eat a meal, you know, and they're not doing it perfectly. And, uh, um, you know, they'll never get a job working in the cafeteria, but um, but they're they're surviving. You know, it's a basic skill and, and, and they do it. And the Wiseman lets that go on for five minutes long uh, without anybody talking. It's also like we're experiencing what that that's like, you know, being, mm-hmm. you have to get rid of that fear. I guess that something's yeah. going to go, go wrong and you have <laughs> to realize they're going to find strategies to, yeah. to, to survive. Well, and, and they, 
you know, probably by this point too, had been filming at the Institute for some time, uh, probably had their fair share of these moments. But, but let me, let me throw this back to you, Steve, just cause you had mentioned, uh, looking at our letterbox and something I, uh, noted on Sean's review, uh, after mine, um, I think he, he said loneliness and I said isolation, but you know, this idea that you're talking about this close community, like we get in a scene versus say, you know, something like the, the kind of rec room scene, there's a, a lot of kids just kind of playing, uh, free form, no instruction. There's a TV on, um, but they all kind of seem, you know, for lack of a better phrase, like in their own worlds, you know, well, isn't that, isn't that the same kind of either contradiction or conflict of a scene where people mm-hmm. are on like personal, right. they're, they right, have their right. personal turmoil and their personal journey, but also they're struggling to be part of a, of a community. Group, and yeah. I don't, th- I don't think multi-handicap entirely answers that, but it sees that, that tension. And I think it, it, it kind of recognizes that both parts of it are going are going are going going to be there. the The community doesn't really function very well, does mm-hmm. it? I mean, I don't think you know the the teachers are wonderfully patient and they're trying very hard, but they're not tremendously successful, are they? Or they're successful right. by being one human to another. They they don't have a curriculum. They don't have a level one and a level two and a level three, and they don't really know how to how to teach them except to really care and try to teach them uh, 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 basic skills. And when the students are together communicating, they're probably not doing that great a job of uh, mm-hmm. of, uh, of doing it. And when they meet together at the end, like for religious purposes or you know in a, in a bible group i don't think we look at that as totally su- successful experiences mm-hmm, uh, yeah. uh, either uh, that uh, uh, getting the kids to go on stage uh, uh, i think one of you mentioned titicut folly somewhere uh, 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 you know is it, more what it reminds 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 you of so um, you know i think that tension of community versus the individual it's uh, you know, central to a scene of multi-handicapping is maybe one of those things that Wiseman, you know, considers in other movies as, uh, as, as well. Uh, Belfast, Maine has a good amount of that to Monroe, Indiana, maybe as well. Maybe the community films have more instances of that, that too. But I don't, I, I don't know what you think, but I, I don't know if you feel like he comes down on one side or the other of that more or... It's funny, the Tidika Follies thing, it, it is interesting. Like, I just think about people in the yard in that film yeah. and the people in, like, the little room here. Bor- the, the Borges TV. scene, too, with in yeah. the little room. That's what that TV room was reminding me. Everyone yeah. kind of milling about, you know, and not right. really interacting, per se. Yeah, and, and we've, we've talked a lot about how Wiseman places scenes within discrete films in ways that allow them to reverberate. Uh, across that film um, and he he does that throughout this series these four films and the two that that really reverberate loudly uh, throughout the interior, entire series but um, especially here in multi-handicap is uh, one Jason walking which we already mentioned and um, the dance party which we talked a lot about um, in blind and um, the Jason walking scene because I think it shows that or it gave you, especially, you know, coming 20 minutes into that film, like it kind of gave you this, this promise of like independence. And like, then we go on to see that, you know, uh, there, there's only a certain level of independence within the closed 
like circuit that they're in, right? Um, and there's a limited amount of ind independence that they'll have outside of it. Um, and then the dance party, I think, because it it really exemplified this idea of community and these people like having fun and really like um, having people to engage with and it like crossed like racial boundaries. Um, and, and, you know, well, that, 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 that's where I, is there a difference between community and institute institution mm -hmm. yeah. that Wiseman seems to like really respond to situations where people within a place are together mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it's not exactly like solving their own problems, but it's more like, uh, interacting with each other rather than like either the the teacher student relationship or the commanding officer soldier right. relationship you know the the person belonging to the institution versus the person into it the prison guard versus the prisoner thing mm -hmm. of uh, Tidak and Follies uh, so when you get a bunch of prisoners together or a bunch of soldiers together or a bunch of disabled people together, it's a different situation than uh, when there are teachers around or... Um, uh, Unless they're making brooms and then they just don't talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's an institutional situation then, yeah. then too. True. You know, they're they're, yeah. they're forced into a job. Mm -hmm. And that happens with all of the military movies too that there's a difference between you know like with your missile coming up right. next week when, the, <laughs> yeah. when they're the, when they're doing what they're required to do versus what they do when they're off on their on their own often there's a great contrast between between those two and sean i'm glad you're you're bringing up now adjustment and work because you know i think we talked in that episode about like how there's a an element in that film of like pulling the rug out from under the viewer mm -hmm. relative to the previous two films and and it also kind of like ties a bow and in a way where now you know here's this other milieu here's this other like disabled population that we haven't really addressed yet but it's asking us again to kind of recontextualize everything we've come to and and reimagine the idea of, of what success means here because i think in the end of adjustment and work, we're like, all right, so success for the Institute is building brooms and sewing ties, right? Like that's the ultimate trajectory for, for Jason and Peter and everyone. Uh, but here, you know, it's like, God, if they can get to making brews and sewing ties, you know, that would be great for them. Right. You know, and, and this, the way that Weissman is continually kind of I don't know if shifting the goalpost is like the right word, but like, like the, the, the ways that the different schools. And I think going yeah. back to what you were saying at the beginning, Stephen, you know, the distinctness between yeah, all of these films sure. and all these buildings, you know, is like they're, they are distinct and you can't just yeah. group them all together. Right. And that yeah. e even something like the beginning of this film where they're like, there are many definitions of curriculum ranging from very strict very rigid type systems to very broad, open, and flexible systems of interpretation that are conducive more to the kinds of things that most of us have been uh, agreeing that we should address. If you view curriculum development or a curriculum guide as something that is restrictive, something that impedes what the teacher does or can do in the classroom with the student, or what I call a fast food curriculum that was developed in a highly structured developmental pattern with no flexibility 
then you and I aren't talking about the same thing. We've all talked about that. Uh, I'm sure most of you are going to agree with me that whatever we have must be varied, it must be flexible, and it must be broad enough to cover and meet the needs of all the students at this school. It is probably going to be impossible for any single curriculum to do that. It's like, how, how can you even do that, you know? Yeah, I have a bad habit of doing that because they're like, uh, you know, it's the deaf and blind series and you're like yeah. thinking about them as this group. But, but yeah, it is important, especially with this, with a uh, multi-handicap to think about them with a different population, with different needs and different, um, a, a different uh, life trajectory. Um, and that makes a big difference. But uh, if you wanted to, though, to take it from another direction and following up on your adjustment of work discussion, which I, I largely agreed with, like, uh, I think you come out of adjustment of work feeling really critical of the idea of let's train, tra let's train disabled people to do minimum wage jobs of a repetitive, boring nature. So I think you could see multi-handicapped as almost like an answer to adjustment at work or a rejection of adjustment at work. And the rejection comes in sort of going back to, you know, Barry Keith Grant and the transcendental or back to a scene and saying that um, finding a way to live where you're not defining yourself by survival of a minimum wage job is the, the sort of mm -hmm. answer in the same way that that's not a problem in a scene. It shouldn't be a problem in multi-handicapped either. Like society should have some way that disabled people to this extent uh, are allowed some opportunity just to live, you know, and be in yeah. communities and um, eat their meals and get together uh, for, you know, outside activities and recreational things and uh just being able to live is a lot <laughs> and a lot to be yeah. to be valued and but saying that rejects adjustment and work you know yeah. it rejects the you know you've got to train them to be like other like other people you know you've yeah. got to train them to do to do jobs like other people do because i think this uh, this uh the the minimum wage stuff becomes ironic when we see other factory type jobs later in Wiseman yeah. films. And when you get to Belfast, Maine and uh, Jackson Heights, you know, the, these, these questions come back in, in other ways of what is meaningful work, especially, you know, of a minimum wage sort. So the, yeah. the questions aren't going to, aren't going to go away, but I think you could say multi-handicap does bounce up against uh, adjustment and work or suggests an alternative way of looking at things. And it may be just so alternative that uh, uh, it's different enough that you don't want to connect them up to each other. Yeah. But in other ways, they do kind of bounce off each other a bit, I think, you know, based on like the kind of discussion you were having of adjustment and work. It's so funny, like, uh, as we discuss it more, uh, not that I thought otherwise before, but um, you could tell how like just so clearly how the people who had to write the reviews of the series like just didn't get past blind at all <laughs> like like uh there's there's just no uh um actual like discussion about something like multi-handicapped at all it's all well well that group. that's where if we are at the end of these four let's give you know incredible credit to wiseman again for using his macarthur money yeah to make, yeah, to make sure. these because uh it's clear pbs didn't understand what he might have been going after yeah, or right. so many of the things that like we're talking about in, the, in these films like you couldn't put that in a pitch 
for these films and why they should be why 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 they should be made. You couldn't explain them. You need you know, which happens with great movies. You know, you need the movie to see the value of the film. You can't you know give it an advanced description of the issues it's going to deal with or the the content and say. Like here, oh, there's these four films that are all set in the same place, <laughs> and there's different kind of handicaps and you know different kind of situations, but they all kind of go together. You really have to have a vision of what the films you know could possibly be, which Wiseman clearly had, or you know it managed to to pull off, and you know how how fortunate or great that MacArthur. Uh, money was there and that he used it that way because like i mentioned in the journal you know the other macarthur fellows don't always go that that way there, there's nothing that says they have to spend their money on their own work yeah uh, it, it's and, great it's great that wiseman did it's great that he did and then you know looking ahead a little bit like he doubles down too like uh, we go from the institute to you know nuclear holocaust to uh near death right like there's yeah yeah there's, this little sequence is pretty interesting he's un- unrelenting yeah, yeah. But, yeah. and i mean We'll, we'll talk about it too, but he gets a little lighter in tone the next few films after Near Death, which I think is probably very understandable. And his central we'll... park gets thrown in there somewhere too, doesn't it? Yeah. It's coming up yeah. in, in a couple. But but yeah, I mean, what you're saying is so so true, but that's what a, a great artist will do, right? Is they're sure. not going to rest on their laurels. They're going to go places you can't even anticipate. And how many times have we all said with Wiseman Films, Oh, I didn't expect it to be what I what I thought, given the subject right, matter. Of course, you know that that that's just something really to be valued and appreciated in his movies. And it's really the case with these four too, isn't it? These are not your expected movies about uh, about the deaf and blind. Yeah. You know, adjustment and work for me maybe comes the closest to what I would have thought these mm-hmm. these would have been. But even yeah. there, they're so full of unpredictable stuff. But multi handicap just goes off into the stratosphere on that. <laughs> it's just it's just nothing I would have thought any of these four films would have would would have been. You 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 rightfully remarked in your uh, journal about one of the more touching moments in in the entire series in, in multi handicap, which is when the teacher, this black woman, starts singing "One More River to Go." Yeah, and and Wiseman cuts like it very beautifully across multiple scenes, and it's like I swear it's the closest he ever gets to a montage. For sure, right? yeah, yeah, it's. It's just like so beautiful, and and just to like see somebody who doesn't really play that way to to kind of like to kind of dip his toe into it, it really works. Yeah, and this time it's not even a radio where the song yeah, comes, right, comes yeah. on and somebody, somebody could conveniently provi- providing the song. But that's where we should remind people to always be listening carefully to mm-hmm. to songs when they appear in Wiseman films, because I think he's got an idea often that. Uh, uh, they can connect in some way, and that's where um, I don't know if you mentioned about double vision popping up. Yeah, yeah, is one of the one of the songs. That's another of those pretty on the nose, ser- yeah. serendipitous. <laughs> Wiseman himself is funny when those come up because he goes, "Oh, what great luck that was!" You know, like he just, yeah. you know, like just barely thought that that was going to happen, or that always happens when he when he does these films. But there are so many times where there are very interesting juxtapositions. Of songs and yeah, that that's a very moving, great one. I think. Yeah, you know, um, 
since it kind of feels like we're wrapping up, I, I really want to get your take on this, Stephen, because I, I was struggling a bit with, with the ending, you know, I think, you know, this church scene and, and also the Cain and Abel and the cut to black while we still have some dialogue going, you know, I, I could think of... It feels like a fitting bookend because we start with the racetrack ministries in Blind, right? And also Blind ends with uh, Black. We cut to night, you know, the night of Talladega, sort oh. of. Um, but, like, Cain and Abel just seems so specific for whatever reason. You know, it's just, like, one of the most well-known stories. And I think, too, uh, something some of the writers uh, were noting, um, Christopher Ricks and Grand Street... Um, was talking about like the especially relative to some other Weissman films the lack of kind of cynicism present in the series writ large maybe a little bit accepting adjustment and work um, but like did did you guys see a bit of that in this church scene and like you were saying Steve it kind of seemed maybe not the most successful uh, you know a, a student gets on stage says pay attention wonderful Jesus, wonderful. Jesus, wonderful. Oh, Jesus, wonderful. Jesus, wonderful. Wonderful, Jesus, wonderful. Jesus, wonderful. Oh, Jesus, wonderful. Jesus, oh, Jesus, wonderful. Oh, Jesus, love. So, yeah, what, what was your read on, on this sort of ultimate uh, note for the series? Yeah, you know, I have to say over time, I've really come to feel very differently about any of the sermon scenes or church scenes or religious scenes where they used to feel to me more ironic than they do now. And I think I've started to come around to the <laughs> views of some like like Ricks that you're that you're mentioning who are ready to take them more. And yeah. I, you wouldn't call it quite face value, but you can see other values that re religious uh, ceremonies and religious beliefs provide to people. So, you know, I think here it's the kind of fellowship and community that we get, uh, and also I I I think the the would I don't know if you'd call him a preacher or who the guy is who's mm -hmm. leading the, the Bible group. Maybe, yeah. yeah, whatever he is, he's like the teachers that he's not really getting across what he thinks he's getting across, yeah. but he's still kind of serving a a, a purpose. You know, they're 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 uh, uh, being very communicative and getting through the story. And let's mention, I think it's great that you brought up the, how this comes full circle by coming back to here and full circle back to 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 the beginning of Blind. But also the Cain and Abel story comes back full circle to humanity, right? It's the start yeah, uh, in the Bible of of life. So we're 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 coming back to the beginning there too by that by by the by that story. And the important thing that I think happens at the very end is so that when it goes to black, it also goes silent. Because just yeah. about every Wiseman film, when it cuts to credits, the sound still goes on. Uh -huh. yeah. But here I think he's making very clear that no picture, no uh, no sound here because yeah. this has been deaf and blind. So we are brought back at the very end to the experience of deafness and 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 blindness and i think it's just so clearly a cut that wants to do that so i think the the 
uh, religious stuff at the end, I think you you're you've got it, Arlen, exactly in terms of. I think Wiseman is incredibly sensitive to structure. You know mm-hmm. that beginnings and ending scenes really do have to be looked at in his films uh, quite care quite carefully, and you've been good at doing that with uh, other films. I think we kind of did that with this one. I don't think we mentioned about the beginning. I think I, I talked about it in the, yeah. the journal. Maybe it's kind of obvious that it started with a series of signs from all of the different schools, and I thought when you eventually got to the uh, children at play sign, be careful, whatever it said, that that's when we realized that we're sighted, so we don't have to worry about that. But right. if you're blind, mm-hmm. these signs are doing you no good yeah. uh, at all. So the film is starting and ending with reminders of mm-hmm. being able to see or not being able to uh, uh, to see. But, um, you know, he just so regularly has had these kind of religious ceremony things that that uh, come up generally towards towards the end. It's either that or, you know, we've had a fair number, and you've talked about them too, like with Racetrack, the ones where um, uh, the store had it too, where uh, you look back on somebody's life. Uh, you know, it's either like uh, Stanley Marcus in the store or the the, the, mm-hmm. the race, Racetrack guy. The looking back on a whole life is a, a version of what the religious things Gaston. do. Gaston. Yeah. Do, do yeah, Gaston is another one that the, – the, the the that does that in uh, uh, adjustment adjustment of work where you don't have to like the people or agree with the people but seeing a whole life uh, kind of requires you to reflect that back onto the film and say well uh, you know what of those values do we share or are people getting things out of that that otherwise they wouldn't they would they wouldn't they wouldn't have gotten so mm-hmm. uh you know, even like um, Stanley Marcus in the store, uh, you know, he, he uh, uh, created a very expensive store. But I think <laughs> you feel like there's value to his life that's different from that that's being celebrated at the end of it. And even if he doesn't, like, speak to it or realize it, yeah. you know, it's another kind of summing up thing. So I think uh, there is a kind of summing up at the end of Multi Handicap by bringing the kids up on stage and then having them not understand the Cain and Abel story still has a purposeful kind of kind of conclusion and then just cutting right off there. Uh, I wanted to mention with that too, because I think this is the first film that has it. We, I, I don't know if we will need to go back to examples of it, but it, it's, it's a, a Wiseman. I would call it almost a trademark that starts coming out by now that I started calling the abrupt end of uh, scene closing or something mm. like that, mm-hmm. where a scene just cuts off and it feels like it's cut off too soon. But then you go, well, because of that, you really pay attention to how it ends. And also, you realize that while you're watching the films, you never know when a scene is going to end. You never know when the film is yeah. going is going to end because yeah, yeah, yeah. they can be, you know, five hours, five hours long. So um, this one ends that same way. So the cut is really important at the end that goes to black and that goes to silence. So that uh, it, that that reflects back then on uh, everything that we've seen before. Uh, uh, to, yeah, it, it's quite moving the that that ending, and uh, yeah, it feels like like one more one last attempt to like transcend your ego on the way out of this nine hour film. Yeah, that that's where you know it's it's a bit going back, but just to mention like one of the another of those abrupt 
seedings, uh, uh, seed endings was when the, the guy was explaining the uh, uh, curriculum. And that's the mm-hmm. one that ends when he says, um, uh, clearly when they're 21, they're going to have to go uh, to another institution somewhere. Yeah. And there's a way that because it cuts right then, it really mm-hmm. gives impact to that to that line yeah. because I, you didn't expect yeah. the the, the scene to end that way and Wiseman I think does that a lot but he does it in a very kind of subtle way right. so you don't always think well, about it it, it kind of makes it like reverberate through everything yeah. that follows yeah. you know it's yeah. in the back of our heads as we watch all of these lessons and instructions you know and and again kind of going back it, it recontextualizes the idea of success in this school you know and and onward you know i think as you've been talking something that that the ending kind of is bringing to me is like the i think the last line spoken when it's cut to black is is something about like 930 years is a long time for a man to live and but in those days god allowed people to live much longer than that it was oh, a long yeah, time yeah. or something you know and it was it's just like this this idea of the eternal work of the institution and and the project of survival for the population right like like it it just it does never end at 21 they'll move on to another institution and and continue this sort of work uh in an effort you know to to achieve whatever independence is is reasonable for them yeah so that's where even though there's structural closure i think a lot of the lines you were describing Arlen, I think you would say the film doesn't give thematic closure very deliberately, or it doesn't give you easy yeah. answers. And another reason for the the religious part of the ending is that that's not an answer either. You know, you don't just say, "Well, if uh, um, you know disabled people found God, their problems would be solved." You know, you absolutely do yeah. not feel that at the yeah. end, at the end of. Mul- multi-handicap and taking all films to all four of the films together i don't think you would say wiseman has solved the problem for us or explained the problem for us of what it is to be disabled or to be handicapped instead what he's probably done is made it clear how much like handicapped people are we are or in our ways we are multi-handicapped too you know, we may not have sure. the physical handicaps he has, but we have institutional handicaps mm-hmm. like he does. And his other films will show plenty of those where the people don't have physical handicaps, but they certainly have institutional issues. Or people have personal shortcomings, you know, that uh, aren't necessarily a result of blindness or deafness, but still make them handicapped in some in some way. Um, Be- Belfast, Maine, I think, would be a film that connects to this very closely in that sense where the people have a lot of problems and I don't think Belfast, Maine solves their problems, but (laughs) it it, it shows like strategies they have had to, to respond to it, including institutional ones. So I I think that's where multi-handicap leaves you. And that's where that is a great line to notice. That's very good to, to bring that up, that this is a human condition, a human problem, that uh, repeats and repeats endlessly, and it goes back to the beginning of time, whether you think that's the beginning of Cain and Abel (laughs) or the beginning of evolutionary time. It's it's the human condition that multi-handicap has been looking at. Well, I I don't think we will find a better place to stop than that. Um, But uh, Steve, um, 
Thank you. Uh, well, it's been again. really enjoyable talking about these with oh. you two, because again, you're doing a terrific job with these films and you're both both really smart, but really, uh, uh, I think, understanding and sensitive to these films. So I think already, you know, you've done essential work on these movies. And I can't imagine anybody right. watching these is not wanting to go straight to your, <laughs> uh, straight to your right. podcast. And, and it's that. really great that uh, Canopy is available, that podcasts mm -hmm. continue, continue to be available. So I hope people do really take advantage of this rare opportunity that they can watch the films and then... Uh, listen to these you don't always have to listen to the people you bring on although i think you've had great, great interviews but no. your, your your parts have been excellent that you've been doing so Appreciate this is a that. this is a great Thank resource you, on these films and you've been uh, i think very correct when you've looked for reviews i, I imagine you'll do it with the first part of uh, this show too where you'll throw your hands up like you started to <laughs> talk about of not finding people uh, doing very well with with these films it, it it takes this kind of a format i think to yeah. really understand it Re the reviews that came out at the time don't do it and even the, yeah. the scholarship while you could find some good good pieces i think it just takes sitting down and talking through these like For the sure. way you do and you really do your homework in a very admirable way too so uh, i look forward to your upcoming shows and maybe another 10 i'll get a chance to, 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 <laughs> to, to get back with you in, uh, another time uh, or, you're, you're, or, or, or sooner i hope your thoughts um your thoughts and your discussion and, and your journal have uh, definitely critical yeah. understanding so thank you yeah i mean you know you you were the first to do it <laughs> you know cinema verite in america i mean it, it was uh right right on the cusp of it so so i mean yeah we, we owe it well to i you. hope we all keep looking at these movies and thinking about them and that we get chances to uh talk about them further absolutely cool thanks steve thanks so okay much. see you bye-bye i see switch boys are interested in joining boy scales okay uh and then we are planning a trip to the Speedway. And many, many Boy Scouts go be out at the Speedway. They go be have things that they've made themselves to show people. They go be camping. Not us now. But in the future, we will camp, okay? You need to ask other boys in your dormitories, in your dormitory, your dormitory, if they are interested in joining the Boy Scouts of the HKS schools, okay? <laughs>